You're listening to a podcast about brain health in diverse America. The goal of this podcast is to inform listeners about the latest research on healthy brain aging and risk factors leading to cognitive impairment and dementia. While the scientific community knows that aging affects brain health of Black, Hispanic, and European Americans quite differently, we still don't know the why and the how that this happens. This podcast will closely examine healthy and unhealthy aging in America as we discuss themes especially relevant to Black and Hispanic Americans. I'm Dr. David Johnson, Director of the California Alzheimer's Disease Research Center in the East Bay and one of many scientists working on the Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study. This podcast is a production of the National Institute on Neurological Disorders and Stroke, the grant-funded Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study, and the UC Davis School of Medicine. This podcast is produced by Darling New Media Podcast Studios in Sacramento, California. Welcome to Brain Health in Diverse America. My guests today are Shanette Merrick, Aaliyah Walker, and Gwen Gates. Shanette is a clinical research supervisor at UC Davis Department of Neurology and the program manager for The Good Life for Healthy Aging. She possesses a wide range of knowledge and expertise in conducting research, including analyzing and reporting data of all types. And she is well-versed in building partnerships in the Black American community. Welcome to the show today, Shanette. Thank you so much, Dr. Johnson. Thank you for having me. Aaliyah Walker is an Assistant Clinical Research Coordinator at the UC Davis Alzheimer's Disease Research Center with experience in conducting outreach, recruitment, screening, and testing of research participants for a wide variety of grant-funded projects. She has a Bachelor's of Science in Neurobiology, Physiology, and Behavior, a minor in African-American Studies, and another minor in Public Health Studies. Welcome today, Aaliyah. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Gwen Gates is a research recruiter with over 18 years of experience working in the Black American community in the East Bay of California. She works now as a consultant for the Dementia and Diabetes Prevention Program and the Good Life Program for Healthy Aging, but has worked for a number of decades working for the public health of the Black American community in Alameda, Contra Costa, and San Mateo counties. Welcome, Gwen Gates. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Let's dive right in today. Aaliyah, with your experience, can you tell us what barriers or hesitancy you encounter most often when meeting with potential Black American study participants? Yeah, typically I see people are hesitant um, because they don't want to be a guinea pig. They don't want to feel like an unknown drug is being tested on them and it could have side effects that they'll just keep finding out down the line. And people are also hesitant about they don't trust researchers all the time. So they are unsure if they're being lied to or told all the information and can feel like, Maybe they don't even sometimes know all the questions they should ask. So they're worried about getting all the information like 
when they are signing up for studies. So things um, like that are something people are unsure about. So Gwen, maybe you could add to this uh, with your deep experience in, in, uh, in, in the clinical research programs for, for almost two decades. Can you tell us why is it so important for Black Americans to participate in these studies? You know, first of all, I'd like to echo um, what Aaliyah said. It's, it's, it's a matter of trust. But what's one important is that we be included. Um, when a lot of research is being done, uh, you want it to be representative of our community as well. So it's very important. Uh, it's also important for to have a good input on how research is being done and how it's being the data has been analyzed. So when you say input, do you mean that the communities should be engaging in the discussion that the investigators are having about even how to make the research, how to design the research? Exactly. Sometimes some of the questions that are asked and how the questions are asked, um, it is helpful to have the input of the community in terms of uh, what the question is and what is the um, primary focus of the question. What is What are you trying to get at or to learn from that question? That's cool. Um, we know in the diversity CID study that we have not only the expert investigators who are really knowledgeable about how to work in Black American and Latin American communities, but we're also engaging the participants themselves in giving us feedback about how to design the study, what questions are appropriate, and how to best approach these communities so that there's a large and diverse and, and engaged response. Shanette, could you tell us a little bit about some of the programs that you're involved in? Um, and maybe why they're so successful? Yes, thank you. So um, one uh, of the programs that I'm involved in is the DDPP, which is Dementia Diabetes Prevention Program. Um, and that program focuses on the impact of uh, a healthy lifestyle change, which is including with fitness and nutrition. Um, and a program that has piggybacked off of the DDPP, which is the Good Life Program for Healthy Aging, which also um, focuses on a healthy lifestyle change. Um, it includes fitness and nutrition and also includes mental health as an extra added component, which is very important. With the Good Life Program, it's not so much of a study, though, as a public health initiative. Um, now, these programs are wildly successful primarily because um, the impact of a healthy lifestyle change when it comes to diet and fitness is really important because we're giving people the opportunity to take the power into their own hands without um, using any type of pharmaceutical medications and actually implementing ways to help people stay off of pharmaceutical medications and be very proactive when it comes to their health, particularly in the African-American communities. Um, now, with the Good Life Program for Healthy Aging, this program has been extremely successful because we actually met people where they were, literally. We started this program on Zoom, 
And it made it very easy for participants to engage in healthy um, activities such as working out right in the comforts of their home and joining cooking classes right in their own kitchens and cooking together and eating together as a community. And so those are some of the things that have made those programs really successful. So it sounds like you're going out of the, your way to build trust in the communities before you go out and start asking them to be in other research Ab studies. Yes, at... absolutely. Um, and thank you for driving that point, Dr. Johnson. Uh, we are going out of our way because one of the things, just to really piggyback on the question that you asked to um, Ms. Aaliyah Walker and uh, Ms. Gwen Gates in regards to building community trust is that uh, what we have not had in the African-American community is a, is a sense of feeling that's, that any of these institutions or research, um, research, uh, you know what I'm saying, any type of research was actually pouring into our community and not just asking mm -hmm. for things from us without actually knowing um, what kind of makes us tick and really understanding our community. So that's been a big issue in regards to building trust in the community. Um, we have to learn in research that these communities have been through a lot. Um, we have suffered a lot in the, in the name of uh, research, and it's time to start pouring back into the communities, offering opposed to taking so much out. That's a really great point. I mean, I think that captures the spirit of diverse VCID and that the the diagnostic study that's going on exactly right on the on the head that we need to not only just include black Americans across the country in this diagnostics test and trying to figure out what is vascular cognitive impairment and why it affects people of color so much more, but also to actually engage the Black American community in a trust uh, um, building exercise and get their participation not only just in a but in a meaningful way with the engagement, the feedback, and also information about how to improve your life, how to get better clinical care, how to live longer, healthier lives, more meaningful and engaged lives. So it sounds like this is a whole program or a platform of engagement where it's from top to bottom, um, not only the clinical research, but actually down at the level of lifestyle change in the community. Um, do you, can either any one of you comment on how you see research um, trying to engage and meaningfully get into the community at these different levels? Well, my first thought was of course, um, engaging with African Americans on the level in which Jeanette was asking or talking about is a good foundation um, because then there you are building trust because then you understand why there's why is there research going on and what is this research all about um, so so it's an education at the same time and also it is a way in which to um, be apart at the same time because they know what the issues are and this let's let's try to find out some answers because we know um well we have been told that african americans are maybe two times more likely 
to have Alzheimer's or, or this or that. So what is that? Why is that? And is that really true? And, and uh, let's, let's work on that. Aliyah, I was wondering, do you, how do you go about building that partnership that Gwen is talking about, getting the education out, but also getting the engagement and, and really building a partnership with the community members? I think it's really important to realize that a lot of the, like what um, research people are working on, a lot of people in the community are already trying to address similar issues. Um, and so there's a lot of community groups, you know, working to talk about all sorts of different health education topics. So I try to reach out to like some of these groups that are already doing that work to see how I can be a part of supporting that. Like, can we participate in providing um, like a health education talk on like one of, since we are focused on dementia research related to that, or is there opportunity for me to tell them about like all the research and opportunities we're doing? So I try to basically, like I said, um, meet with different groups who are, because there's so many people already um, like working to support like the different um, issues in the black mm -hmm. community, meet them where they are and try to work with them. How can I support them? Um, so that's when what I, I think, do a lot. I, I think what you're also alluding to is engaging them in this sort of dialogue, <laughs> listening, active listening and figuring out what is it that I can help out with. Yeah, it's definitely is that what you mean? a lot of like listening um, and learning from what's already being done to see where like I can fit into that. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, I want to sort of pivot the conversation for a second. And I want to ask you all some questions from the perspective of the participants or the potential participants who might be listening today. Um, you know, Shanette, uh, uh, can you maybe comment or Aaliyah, uh, uh, um, how do you know this research is safe? How do you know that the work that's being done at UC Davis and across the country with diverse VCID is something safe to do? So I think of when I first got into research, um, before you really do anything, there's so much behind the scenes in terms of checks and balances that I think that is meant to protect participants. And so, for example, the Institu Institutional Review Board or the IRB um, is one of the um, groups that works to check any research done is um, safe and ethical and it does and it works uh, separately from our group. Like it's not like our study has a IRB that only does us like they work to review other things. So it's not necessarily our inside people like there's um, a disconnect there on purpose. And so besides that, there's, of course, federal guidelines and codes of ethics in place to protect clinical research volunteers from harm. And they, and a lot, some of those have come into play because of um, past wrongs in research. And so they, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it, but they're, I think research has learned a lot from its mistakes in the past and they've continually added more checks and things in place to protect participants and make sure that uh, researchers are required to go through a lot of steps to protect participants that are participating. And also I think for people participating, it's really important to you know ask questions because that's how you know we can tell you all this, but um, people will feel safer and more trusting 
um, if they feel like their questions are being answered. So whenever you're going to participate in research, if something doesn't seem like it lines up, it's best to ask about it because there's a lot of, um, I mean, we're here to answer questions. So that's an, an important part of it too. Right. And, I think that's right. a great point. And if I could add a couple of points to that, um, doctors at the funding agencies believe that the topic in the pub, uh, believe in the topic for this public health as a priority. So that is a really important factor that the doctors that are involved really believe in the um, research that they're working in. And also that the lead doctors who run this study are experts in the area that they are um, conducting research. Um, so those are another couple of great points in regards to um, how we know that um, the research is safe. You know, I'd like to add too, is that um, as a research recruiter, uh, the informed consent is something that has to be really uh, talk, uh, told to the individual. They can explain what the study is about, what the risks are, what the benefits are. This is the next point um, from the IRB to the informed consent to the participant, because that's where it really comes to the person. That's when they're going to understand what's going on, what the risks are, what the benefits are, um, what is being asked of them, um, you know, in terms of um, whether or not this is voluntary or involuntary. Uh, these are all very, very important things and getting their questions answered so that they can feel comfortable um, with the research and, and why and how. These are really great points. I mean, I, uh, you know, as one of the investigators in Diverse VCID, it's, you know, I do, do think that we have a really fantastic expert-led team and that this is the top science that we can be doing in the country and leading the nation with the with our expertise and our innovation but if that's not enough it's about getting to the community and explaining it and asking getting questioned hard questions asked of us and trying to answer it that's part of what this podcast is really about and have people you know believe in the the mission of the diverse vcid uh study as much as i do and hopefully my enthusiasm helps carry some folks but you know i i I think we all have to ask hard questions and make sure that it's safe and have extra sets of eyes looking at this every day. So, mm -hmm. and it, I think it's also a matter of the recruiters. This is the one thing I wanted to really stress here. You know, this, the, you three believe in the studies that we conduct. And I think that shines through in the, in the conversations. And when you get asked questions, if your recruiter doesn't, know about something or doesn't understand uh doesn't believe in it that comes through so participants should be asking those questions mm -hmm. and saying is is this for real yeah yeah that's a good point you do have to believe in it you know in order to actually convince somebody to sell something if you're selling it or whatever you have to know about it to and and feel as if this is it is a good thing and um and uh it's always good to give a person also a little bit of a way out if in fact it, it doesn't work for them as well. Absolutely. This is always, you know, this, if this isn't right for you, you get to stop at any yes, time. Yes, exactly. But I think, I think this is a great segue to the, to the next point and I'll, I'll leave it open for whichever one of you want to jump in. 
because I think it's a hard question. It's a hard question uh, for me to ask, but tell me, why do you think Black American participants should trust the right white researcher to do what's right here? Well, that's a good question. You yeah, know, it's almost a rhetorical question. Should they, and can and can they? Um, ultimately, I believe that's going to be up to the researchers, and that that is one good thing about the studies that we're working on at UC Davis is that um, a lot of the research that we're working on is very ethical, um, and it has proven to be very beneficial um, to its participants, um, and so. You know, when we start talking about um, our historical issues in regards to trust and African-Americans, um, that is always going to be a factor. But I definitely will say um, from my experience um, with working with UC Davis and its researchers that um, the research that is being done and really has been proven uh, to be very ethical and inclusive and has made strides to um, make sure that it's being very inclusive to um, African-Americans. And so in this particular situation, I would say that yes, for, for the research that um, we're doing here with the diverse BCID, um, with UC Davis, you really can uh, trust this research. It's really going to be a matter of um, once again, just the, the fact that UC Davis is willing to take the time out to build that trust in the community, and um, that's what's going to make the difference. Anybody else want to sure. echo or and, change um, I believe, or comment? Well, it's UC Davis. Okay, so if in fact UC Davis has a good reputation, that makes a big difference too, because it trickles down to who is actually funding this, who is actually conducting this, and what are their motives? What is their background? It'd be different if we knew that UC Davis was QAnon or something. You know, so that makes a difference, you know, where they came from, who, what their real focus is or their background is, what makes a difference. Yeah, so, and, and that trust. You, you allude to, to something here, and uh, I'm going to ask Aaliyah, because I think since you're the recruiter that is most directly involved with diverse VCID, and I think this is an important question that gets people asked or are afraid to ask, but I think needs the answer, who profits from this research? Is there a profit to be made from Black America participating in diverse VCID? So for diverse BCID, um, the study is sponsored by the federal government, so no one directly profits. Uh, people can benefit from the knowledge of the research, and it's, sorry, I'll stop there, yeah. No, that's good. I, I think that that's important for people to know, is that there's there's uh, uh, no, no companies making a drug no company is going to directly profit from this uh, um, research program, but rather the all the knowledge and all the data are in the public um, public sphere and they're US government regulated and they're shared across all the institutions, all the, the and anyone who wants to look can look. And so um, this is a wide open book with really, no direct, uh, 
profit being made by any companies. And it's, and it's not only getting to talk to some really fantastic uh, doctors and staff and faculty, but it's also becoming just aware of that there's this thing called Alzheimer's disease. And just as soon as you know something, all of a sudden uh, you start tracking it, you start thinking about it, you start seeing it in your community or in your family. And I think that's um, uh, something meaningful to people to, to broaden what we know about ourselves and how we uh, live our lives. I think something um, that is also really important to Black Americans is when you're talking about funding and profits, is that um, there are like Black researchers involved in the research. And I think that's a big part of making sure or like not just having lip service. So when you, when Black people see that there are Black people involved in the research and it's not just white researchers studying Black people, it will often make them more trusting and feel like this isn't just kind of um, people studying them from the outside. And I think that, um, like we said, um, it's sponsored by the federal government. So having um, like where that funding is going and like what sites are being funded, making sure like those are sites that are, diversity in their staff is important to them is also a huge factor in kind of having, um, I guess when you're supporting diversity in research, it's not just at the participant level, but when that shows when it's throughout the whole research center and that means a lot to black Americans. Wow, that's a great point. Um, and I think it, it deserves echoing that diversity CID, all the member sites, all the member research universities um, almost a dozen across the country are, you know, picked at for having the priority, having the premium paid, the training programs, um, the the interest of not only diversity, equity, inclusion, but also the training programs to and commitment to train Black faculty into the National Institutes on Aging kind of research and teaching missions that they support. Um, are we there yet? No, but we have probably the largest concentration of centers and participants and faculty and staff looking at this that we could assemble. And I think that's important to mention right here. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think that is one of the things that stands out to me about UC Davis. I mean, I just know less about the other centers, um, but I can see at UC Davis how that is a priority and like you mentioned, picking other sites where that's a priority, I think is really important and appreciate it. Well, that, I think that segues into my last question or discussion topic for the day for you three, which is um, about this research investigating, you know, the diagnosis of cognitive decline or cognitive impairment in black Americans. You know, what happens if, um, if we do find that black Americans are doing worse than white Americans, which is somewhat of an expectation, but we don't know that yet. Um, do you, how do you think we, we need to treat that as an issue? I want to have an open discussion about the perceptions of the black community in, in finding out, you know, the, the research, um, findings and how we should present that and how we should talk about that. Is there something on your minds about 
how we need to engage um, the communities that we're working in with our research findings, some suggestions. Hmm. What I think of is, this is more in general, but I think that you're, you see disparities in a lot of different areas in health for black people. And there's also seems to be a huge connection um, to these disparities with race, but, and then also the social, other social determinants of health. And I think that research that focuses on solutions from these, um, from like the research we already have is a huge, is like really important to the community. So for example, the diabetes and dementia prevention program, I think a lot of people, what they love about that research is on top of it, um, you know, gathering helpful information, people are actively participating in um, something that's good for them, like the exercise and nutrition. So I think when we do have research um, that shows us disparities, part of, I feel like following through with that community engagement is um, looking for research that is continues to support communities with solutions and provide, I guess, support past that, not just, oh, we found you're doing worse. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's real insightful. Gwen, with all your experience, do you have something to comment about how we give back to the communities, these findings? Um, with, with um, sound data, you know, I mean, you, you can't uh, make a, a, a hypothesis about we're doing worse than others without some real road back uh, uh, um, to that. Um, you know, looking at the differences um, within uh, different cultures, you know, it may put one more at risk for a disease than another. You know, so it, it goes into that. We, we already, have already learned that stress could be a, a big factor in um, cognition. Um, we as African-Americans are under a lot more stress, I think, than other communities, maybe the white population for a number of reasons. So this could be um, you know, a, a, true, a true factor there. Um, and so then you go into trying to eliminate the stress you know, uh, mm -hmm. in order to uh, to decrease the numbers, you have to deal with the problem. And, and that so, goes into a whole nother thing. So can I interpret, can I echo back maybe what you just said as I heard it, and I'd like to check what, what if it's what you said just then, which is it's not only just having the findings, but then creating the next set of research, the next set of interventions, the next set of educational materials or inter, you know implementation in the community, and that if you're if you're in a study today, the expectation is that there's going to be this dividend tomorrow, and so that actually has to be planned and being explicitly stated and followed through by the funding agencies, by the investigators, by the universities. Mm -hmm. Can I get a hell yeah? Well, we, yes, we can, we can give you a yes. Yeah, it, it's an, it, that is an important um, part because, you know, 
within the African-American communities, it gets a bit discouraging even to participate in research and constantly being told that we are the epitome of bad health in every aspect that you can think of. Um, but I think it's also extremely important to make sure that researchers are making sure that they are choosing participants that are equally yoked, um, that we are not choosing um, from one community that has a lot of um, advantages and resources and opportunities and then going to the other community to compare it to and choosing from communities that do not have um, equal resources or education. Um, so when we start to see equality in regards to research and, and that, in that matter, it'll I think it'll change the way research is um, conducted and looked at and actually make African-Americans feel a lot more comfortable about the data that's being produced from the research um, that is being conducted. Um, aside from that, um, once again, I want to echo with what um, Aaliyah and Gwen said is just um, when we are conducting research, if when we do find these disparities and um, these issues in the in the African-American community to, to follow up with programs that are helping uh, change those conditions are very helpful and will be long lasting uh, for generations. Fantastic. You all have provided me an immense amount of education and a wonderful thought provoking discussion today. And I really thank you for being on the program. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Brain Health in Diverse America. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen to our show by asking your smart speaker to play the Brain Health in Diverse America podcast. And please rate us on your favorite podcast app. Brain Health in Diverse America is brought to you by the NIH grant funded Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study and the UC Davis School of Medicine. To learn more about participating in our nationwide Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study, Click on the link in the episode description. Any questions or comments, please email us at diversevcid, all one word, at ucdavis.edu. And thanks for listening.